0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ According to John When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him She knelt at his feet and said to him Lord, if you had been here My brother would not have died When Jesus saw her weeping And the Jews who came with her are also weeping He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. So that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go.
1: The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of leading a retreat for one of our men's prayer groups. This particular prayer group uh, was founded 38 years ago, and although the membership has turned over over the years, It's a group of men who are so faithful to one another and coming together every week at seven in the morning to read scripture and pray together. It was an inspiration for me to be with them and to see how their lives have been shaped by others lives. Part of what we did was to look at the events on a timeline that happened in history. We put one long line up and we we put the major events of history there. And then below that line, each of us had another timeline, one for each one of us. And we all put key events from our life. And it was uh, every time I do this, I've done it before, I find out something new about myself because I think through my life in a different place Thinking about the people who have been so influential to me, people who have led me in a way into the Christian life in a way that I could not have been led without them. In a very real sense, what we were doing was finding those saints in our lives, those people who had made a difference as we had grown in our spiritual life. Well, as I think back on that group, as a 63-year-old man, I was indeed privileged to be with those who were 70 and 80, who were wise. I think I gained more than they did on that retreat. It was a wonderful time together. And it was especially good to hear people talk about the people who were so important in their lives. Now, one of the things that was interesting about that was that not all of those people were the sort of person you'd necessarily want to spend a lot of time with. Some of them were difficult people. And if you think about the lives of the saints, if you've uh, thought about or read about any of those uh, ancient saints, you know that some of them you wouldn't want to spend a whole lot of time with. They're pretty difficult people. The truth is that sainthood is about real people. It's about people who make mistakes, people who get grouchy. People who are difficult to live with, people who are dysfunctional in aspects of their lives. But yet these people can also be saints. Sainthood, I think, is a very mysterious thing. It's hard for us, I think, to get our head around it. We know the church has taught us over and over again that we are all saints of God, but we have a hard time accepting that about ourselves and perhaps more especially about some other people in our lives. Sainthood is not an easy thing to consider. Today, we are truly blessed as a congregation to have three baptisms. And those of you who have attended baptisms in our church before in the Episcopal Church know that after the child is baptized, a priest or if there's a bishop present, the bishop will do it. will take oil that's been blessed by a bishop and it's aromatic oil. It just smells beautiful. And will put their thumb in that oil and mark a cross on the child's head and say you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. I think that those are among the most powerful words in our liturgies. Marked as Christ's own forever. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, but we're also marked And that mark is a sign that God has poured out God's love upon us. And I think it's especially moving to see a child, a baby, come up to receive that love, to receive that blessing, that marking. And it's important because it reminds us that there's nothing that we can do in order to earn that. That baby can't do anything to earn God's love. They are totally dependent We lose sight of that dependence, I think, over time and forget that we, too, like a baby, are totally dependent upon God. And God has poured out God's love freely in abundance without our ever deserving it. Now, there's a second aspect to sainthood, which I think is a bit of a paradox. While we receive God's love poured out on us without deserving it at all. Freely given. The paradox is that we as saints of God are also called upon to respond, to do something about that. So there is something asked for on our part. We don't just bask in God's love, bask in God's grace. But we also are called upon to respond. I think it's very important for us to keep that in mind, that Jesus not only is our savior, but he is also the one who calls us to sometimes sacrifice and always to service. So that, I think, is the paradox. There is that aspect of it which we have no control over at all, which is God's grace poured out. And then there is our response to God. I know that many of you have heard the term over the years, the church triumphant and the church militant. You know, those are old terms, but... We got away from that language of uh, militarism and triumphalism. But when we did that, I think we also lost perspective about what the church is about. This is a celebration of the church, just like Pentecost is at the birth of the church. This is a celebration of what the church is. The church is the, are the saints, the saints in heaven, the church triumphant, and the saints who are here living the Christian life, the church militant. Now we set those old terms aside, but we must remember that it is all of those saints together that make up the church. There's a beautiful church in Florence, Italy, uh, uh, Santa Maria Novella, and I'm sure a number of you have been there. It is filled with the most wonderful frescoes, but there's one fresco in particular. I think it's in one of the transepts. It's huge. It fills the whole transept like it would fill all of that wall. At the top, you see Jesus standing before an altar in heaven and around him are all the saints gathered, worshiping. And it's a wonderful gathering of all the saints. And I'm sure that if you knew the characters at the time in Florence, you'd probably find those who had died up there somewhere in that fresco. And then as you look down from the top, there's a very narrow band of blue sky that is separation between heaven and the earthly saints. And then there's characterized, I would guess, is probably the church itself in that fresco with some bishops in various places and other ministers and the laity. And they are going about their work, doing the life of a saint. But it's a wonderful image of the church. And so this day, I think we need to recapture that image. We need to remember it's not just about the ones who have gone on before us. It's about us as well. But we also need to remember it's not just about us. It's also about those who have gone on before us because they are the ones who shaped our lives, who have made us the people that we are, the spiritual beings that we are. Now, I'm sure that you have many saints in your mind that uh, that people who have shaped you over the years and later in the service, we're all going to have an opportunity to name those people aloud. To remember them on this very special day. But I want to hold before us one particular one whose name I keep hearing over and over again in this congregation. It's that of Roz McDonough. Seven years ago, in October, I was interviewing to be uh, for the rector's position here at Trinity. And I asked the search committee if it would be possible for me to see a service in some way to get a sense of the spirit of the place and what worship felt like here. And they said, well, tomorrow, Saturday, there is going to be a funeral and you can go to the very back of the church, sit back there in plain clothes and no one will know. And they couldn't have been more correct because the church was packed. I sat way in the back on that side and I saw how much joy how much joy came from Roz McDonough's life. And then I started to hear about her later as I came to Trinity. And I'm sure many of you have seen these little God bless you notes that are left around in various places in the church. And they're, they're everywhere. I think you'll find them all over the Diocese of Massachusetts. And I learned at the, uh, at the men's retreat that they're even in Jerusalem. And she never went to Jerusalem, we believe. <laughs> I mention Roz and this little, this very simple sign, God bless you, because I think it's a reminder, at least to me, that it's not the great things that I might pursue in this life and want to accomplish, but rather it is the most simple, the easiest thing that I might do on any given day in the moment, responding to another human being being Christ present to them and seeing Christ present in them, acknowledge, acknowledging in another the saint that stands before me and reaching out, extending the love of God. Today, we are truly privileged to have to welcome into this congregation and to welcome into the church at large, Madison, Scarlett and Jeffrey. We will celebrate this day with them. And we'll give thanks to God that God has brought in three more saints. And may God help us all to live the saintly life, to extend the love of God to all around us. Amen.